What's up, everybody? It is me, Emmett, your nuclear barbarian, and I'm here with another installment of the Nuclear Barbarians podcast. Today is very exciting. I get to talk to somebody who I wrote down on my original list of people I wanted to interview when I was thinking about launching this podcast, and that is Heather Hoff, who works at Diablo Canyon Nuclear Plant and is a founding member of Mothers for Nuclear. Heather, what is up? I'm so excited to be here, and that's very flattering. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm excited that you're here. It means a lot. So there were, there's a lot to get into. Things are heating up so much. Uh, around the Diablo Canyon thing. But before we get into the wonderful events of this past weekend and some of the things that are going on with Diablo Canyon now, I wanted to ask you a question, which you in part answered before we started recording, which was, how did you end up? at Diablo Canyon. Yeah, it was totally by accident. I had no idea what nuclear was. I didn't really, you know, have my eye on anything similar as a child growing up in rural Arizona in a little copper mining town and Oh, which um, part of which which part of Arizona? Globe, Miami. It's right in the middle. It's an hour and a half east of Phoenix. And okay. um, the town of Globe was actually named after a silver nugget, nugget that they found in the shape of a globe. No way. <laughs> um, yeah. So most of our scenery growing up was tailings piles and wow. mining waste and mining equipment. And I grew up loving the outdoors. I grew up kind of outside of town and mm -hmm. um, lots of land and granite boulders to climb on and recycling as much as we could you know using as little as we could composting toilet water well on our property that didn't produce much no heater or air conditioner we had a little wood burning stove and you know so kind of roughing it a little bit but i loved it and i thought it made me special and Later, at first, I was kind of embarrassed of it with my classmates, mm -hmm. you know, that have normal toilets. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I grew up, you know, trying to use less and trying to convince other people to use less. And mm -hmm. I was you know, on the recycling programs in my high school and college and usually just ended up being kind of a sorting other people's trash kind of operation and realized gradually over time that it was really hard to convince other people to change their minds and their habits and that people didn't want to make their lives harder. So that was, you know, kind of a frustrating environmental um, yeah. initiative that, you know, I, I didn't really succeed at <laughs> changing everyone else. But I came to Cal college at Cal Poly here in San Luis Obispo, where I still live and got a degree in engineering. And when I graduated, I could not find a job. I worked manufacturing rectal thermometers for cows mm -hmm. for about nine months. That was super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> then, Riveting work, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we had an electronic cow that oh, like, yeah. did <laughs> to calibrate the thermometers. And then I worked harvest at a winery and mm -hmm. I worked at a clothing store downtown. I made $7.50 an hour there. And I finally got, you know, pretty fed up of it. Like, like I should get a real job. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I have an engineering degree and I'm making seven fifty an hour, and it's mm -hmm. not okay with me. <laughs> so, I guess I'll try Diablo Canyon, which I didn't really know what it was. I was scared of it. My family was nervous. My mom told me, "I don't think you should be working there in your reproductive years." And I was mm. like, "Oh, why?" You know, like that's scary. And, and their their fear was the the radioactivity of the plant. I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and my uncle's a nuclear physics professor, and he's also like 
paranoid about every health issue. So of course mm. he was paranoid about radiation as well and gave me some good scary stories about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I decided to go give it a shot and try it out and just ask lots of questions. And I didn't really know anything about my company, PG&E, mm. except for the Aaron Brockovich story. I don't know if you've seen that movie. With yes. Julia Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she's my hero growing up and I love that movie. And I thought PG&E was this big evil company and I'm like, mm. oh, I'm going to go see what they're doing over in this nuclear plant. <laughs> and Take them um, down from the inside. <laughs> yeah, I was going to, and I was actually on, there's a local group here called the Mothers for Peace, mm-hmm. and they protest nuclear energy in addition to nuclear weapons, which is interesting. But I had, yeah. I had heard some of them speak and some of their concerns and issues and thought, that doesn't really sound like a thing, you know, like, I'm going to find the real thing. Right. <laughs> to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then they'll know what to protest. And so I kind of went on this mission, you know, like inside the power plant and um, asking questions like crazy. My coworkers kind of hated me because every Friday <laughs> at the end of training week, you know, like we're, we're all, everyone's ready to go home, but I'm still like, what about this? You know, like, how does that, th- like this, mm-hmm. this thing over here, this sounds kind of scary. Like what's really going on? And so just, you know, digging, digging into every single thing that I could think mm-hmm. of and every single thing that sounds scary. There's a lot of stuff that sounds scary in nuclear, yeah. and I think a lot of people don't acknowledge that. That's something our industry has done badly. And, you know, by, by just saying, oh, well, yeah, we're so safe because we have extra equipment and we have separation and redundancy mm-hmm. and... And just look at all these NRC regulations. Yeah, (laughs) we have so much equipment to solve all these problems that aren't really problems. So we've made it a lot more complex. But um, yeah, so I I did that for about six years before I was like, oh, nuclear is kind of amazing. Mm -hmm. It's really powerful. It doesn't emit any, you know, carbon and um, super clean. And on a really small piece of land, the nature around the plant is amazing. Like every day on my way to work, I'd see birds of prey and coyotes and roadrunners and just amazing property and facility and engineering stuff was great too, you know, for like the engineering nerd inside me, like really big equipment inside the plant was pretty exciting to see for the first few times. And it still is, you know, when I go in there, it's like, wow, (laughs) it's big cranes. And so after about six years, I, I realized that, I actually am kind of living my environmental dream that I wanted to as a child. Like I'm bringing clean power to all these people in California. <laughs> I am in the right job after all. Yeah. And, like, I fell into it and it's amazing. And I can feel good about myself mm-hmm. just knowing that I'm helping generate that much clean power. And then we started hearing rumors that the plant was going to shut down. And I was like, what? Yeah. So, so when did, when did that, when did that happen? Right. That like, was late 2015. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like our plant management started behaving pretty differently and talking mm. about things differently and, you know, having these all employee meetings about culture and various, you know, state barriers that were going to be in the way of our continued operation and kind of like, what's our plan? What are we going to do? And Mm. we don't really know yet, but telling us like, there's all these things out here. We think they might be a problem. (laughs) I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, let's, let's get fired up. Let's go fix all these things. And they're like, no, we're just telling you, we don't want you to do anything. (laughs) Yeah, We're just telling you there's all these things out there. So they kind of just wanted us to shut up and keep doing our jobs, mm-hmm. which um, is not me at all, of course. I, I won't <laughs> I <wanna>, like, <laughs> ask all the questions. 
So, so what are the reasons? Ones, the more worried we got. Yeah. So, what are the reasons that PG&E or California is looking to close Diablo Canyon? Because you and I both know that it's a perfectly fine nuclear plant, uh, and Amazing that it's a, yeah, plant. and it's yeah. and it's and it's a, a wonderful gift uh, to society. Yeah. You and I both know that California, I mean, I live in LA, California is already switching on natural gas plants just to keep the grid alive. Losing yeah. Diablo Canyon would be a big deal. So when you look at it on paper, and I feel like people outside of California, when they look at it, you know, if they don't have an anti-nuclear disposition, even if they're just neutral on the technology are like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That's so, pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's the deal? Yeah. Well, um, it's it's hard. I've done a lot of theorizing about, you know, the real reasons and those sure. are all kind of behind the scenes, but the stated reasons are numerous. One of them was that PGE was losing customers to community choice aggregation programs. So we didn't have as much of a customer base. We have a smaller group and when we do that, we still have to meet our state regulations for the renewable portfolio standard, mm -hmm. which says we have to have a certain percentage of renewables, like 60, you know, in our generation mix for utilities. And so it's not that high. I don't know what the actual regulation is right now for renewables, but sure. it's pretty high. And because Diablo Canyon is so large, and powerful, it generates a huge percentage of PG&E's total electricity. Mm -hmm. So basically, they couldn't get enough renewables and keep Diablo Canyon, which is like a really... So that's not the way they said it. They said, we don't need power from Diablo Canyon. Right. And so like the whole public interprets that very differently, like thinking, oh, we don't need electricity. Right, which is right. not the case at all. <laughs> it's obvious we need more electricity and especially clean electricity. So their statement was true, but it wasn't the truth. And yeah, so it's a very, you know, pg &E centric thing to say, we don't need power from Diablo. And it's mm -hmm. like they couldn't fit it into their generation portfolio mix. And right. Regulations. That's really what it means. And that only makes sense if you think that decarb or, or whatever only means renewables, which most people do. I mean, I think certain types of environmentalists and I think the renewable industries themselves have done a pretty great job of cementing that idea in people's heads. Yeah. And they're just like, we need to get to zero emissions. They're like, so only wind and solar. And like, yes. <laughs> if you have hydro or, or geothermal nearby, then fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really count. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. People are just like, I, whatever that is, fine. <laughs> yeah, lighters. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've wondered this for a while. And if I were working at a plant, this is just me. So you tell me if I'm wrong. I would feel pretty demoralized by PG&E's behavior and also people's fears of nuclear. Is that like pervasive? Do people at the plant have the same sense of just how awe-inspiring it is as you? Like, what what's the vibe generally? I think deep down, people are very proud to be nuclear employees and mm -hmm. to be doing what they do, and they know their jobs are, you know, complex and interesting and challenging, and that the technology is amazing, and that you know their work is important and they get value out of it and it is definitely demoralizing to have 
your company, basically, <laughs> not mm-hmm. standing up for the technology, even. It's funny, we have a place called the Energy Education Center that's like where you go to learn about PG&E and like the, their power and their facilities and things. Mm-hmm. Right here in San Luis, it's you know meant as kind of like a visitor center that you go to before you tour the power plant. And um, they had a display on clean energy and nuclear wasn't on it. Get out. <laughs> it was all oh like solar God. and wind and hydro. Oh. <laughs> I threw a huge fit about it. <laughs> yeah, man, that's rough. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know how many other employees notice stuff like that as much as I do. I, I'm particularly tuned into it. I think, yeah, it's definitely part of like the kind of overall culture of like, yeah, people know that we're, we're really valued as employees, but they also know that the company's kind of ashamed of the technology recently. Mm-hmm. I think when we first started PGE, and again, like these are all my opinions, not my company's. But, sure, um, of course. They were like nuclear heroes. They started one of the first operating nuclear plants in the country, LC Humboldt Bay, and like they were the champions for nuclear. And they got this huge, you know, project to build Diablo Canyon around so many barriers, and they did it, and they made it happen. And I think it's great. And you know, I mentioned the Aaron Brockovich story earlier. And after I changed my mind about Diablo and nuclear. I started thinking like, wow, PG&E is really awesome because mm-hmm. they're running Diablo. Like that's the, old, sure. that's the thing that makes them heroes. And that's yeah. <laughs> totally awesome. And um, come a little bit full circle now, like that they want to shut it down. I'm like, oh, they're evil again. But <laughs> I don't know, like a company is just a collection of people, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. we'll keep doing our best to convince them of the truth and the right thing to do. Right. Well, and that's something that I think uh, many of us are engaged in ways large and small. And I'm guessing, and you tell me if this is wrong, that part of launching Mothers for Nuclear was a way to fight back to fight for Diablo mm-hmm. Canyons, right? Well, how long ago did you found it? Yeah, definitely. We, we launched it on Earth Day in 2016. Nice. You know, in the midst of all these rumors, we didn't know what was going on with the plant, but it sounded bad. It sounded like either we were going to shut down right then or, or not realize. We didn't even know shut down in two years. Our management was telling us all about this permit that was about to expire in 2018 for our intake and outfall mm. structures on the coast. And that was another one of those big barriers, those big reasons we might shut down. And yeah, so Kristen and I together kind of got pretty worried. We looked at each other like, well, someone's got to do something. Like, do you want to do this? (laughs) Do you want to do this? Yeah. Do you want to do this? Okay. (laughs) Like, let's do it. And yeah. And so we had a lot of other employees really interested and on board at the beginning too, because they were just also like, everyone is so I guess, oblivious that there would be any reason that we wouldn't keep operating and relicense mm-hmm. the plant because it is so amazing. And we've done so many upgrades and such great maintenance. And I think that's one of the things that pg has done amazingly well is, you know, keep Diablo Canyon tip top order. Like we're mm-hmm. a leading plant for the industry. People come to benchmark at our plant and learn what we do well and take it back. That's to amazing. Sites. And yeah, we do a lot of things first. And yeah, so it's been I think it was really shocking to employees when the company announced in 2016, like, hey, we're going to shut down in 2025. We're not going to relicense. And that was like the big demoralizing hit that, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, people just kind of gave up at that point and didn't want to fight it anymore. And we were in the midst of planning a big march for environmental hope. And we had a whole bunch of employees that were going to come with us and camp for five days and march across Northern California from 
San Francisco to Sacramento and end up mm-hmm. at this big lands commission meeting and speak there. And virtually everyone bailed at the last minute, Oof. you know, after the joint proposal was announced, because they're like, there's no of point. Of course, of course. The company's decided and there's no reason to do that now. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time in six years the most hopeful that I've been in six years, like since that happened, because employees are getting pumped up again. And they're like, Oh, we could actually maybe do this, we could actually change the fate of Diablo Canyon. And like, regardless of what the company says, they're still really, you know, very strict on their messaging, like, no, we're not going to change our mind, Mm -hmm. we're not going to shift course. But I'm finally seeing people like, it's so obvious, you know, just so obvious. So it's a really good time to be doing this. And excuse me, Mothers for Nuclear are kind of ramping up our efforts again, specifically in California and for Diablo Canyon. And Mothers for Nuclear now has uh, international like branches or something. How so did that, exciting. That's amazing. How did that happen? Yeah, we have a chapter of German speaking moms, mm-hmm. which is amazing. They're in Germany, Austria and Switzerland. And we have the Mums for Nuclear in the UK. They're so amazing. And yeah, we have chapters kind of in the works in Canada and Australia and Japan. And yes, yeah, it's, it's just exciting. Like it's it's taken us a while. Like as you know, our group of nuclear advocates that are environmentalists also are kind of small. And mm-hmm. if you like look for women, they're even smaller. Yep. <laughs> so we've been you know gradually finding people that care about the same issues. And Ida Rochalmi in Switzerland is one of those moms. She was our first you know, European mom for nuclear. And she just like grabbed it and was like, I'm making this flyer and I'm going to go out as moms for nuclear. Is that okay? And we're like, yes, do it. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's been great to see the organization growing and be able to share, you know, the message of mothers who care about the future of, you know, the planet and our children. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. So we focused on that for a while, you know, just kind of growing and spreading that message, developing our social media presence. And now it's time to focus on Diablo Canyon a little bit more again. And we have yeah. more you know, resources and kind of presence and experience. I I just recently watched an interview of me at one of our first rallies downtown with the newspaper and they have video of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I sound like an idiot. And why did I say all those horrible things? And like, that sounds scary. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned a lot in six years as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's all a learning curve, you know, mm-hmm. especially because there are so few nuclear advocates out there. Yeah. Nobody like sits you down and is like, here's how you're going to handle this press interview. You're like, I'm here with my friends, (laughs) like (laughs) two of my neighbors. (laughs) That's very much how it feels. Not that that's bad. It just means that we're all learning all the time, like with and from each other. So yeah, you mentioned that now is the most hopeful you've been in a while about it. When did that start to change and what started to change it? I guess last year, mostly, um, during the pandemic and when there were a lot of wildfires mm. and we started having issues with our power grid in California. Like not yeah, only, we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not only are we shutting off power to try and, you know, like stop wildfires and prevent starting them, mm-hmm. but we're also like running out of electricity and having blackouts. And I think it just became it was just a point where it became like, okay, this is obvious to everyone now, not just us that are in favor of Diablo Canyon. It's it's obvious we need more electricity and that there are problems with the power grid and that if we want to address climate change and be prepared for these extreme weather scenarios, 
we can't rely on solar, you know, if the sky is blackened with wildfire smoke mm-hmm. and we have to have energy sources that are, you know, firm and clean and not dependent on the weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, nobody likes the flex alerts. Yeah. People hate that. I mean, it's, yeah. I remember being locked up in my little rental house, you know, like with all the windows closed and it's dark outside and it's hot and like we're sweating and yeah. can't turn yeah. on power and <laughs> No. Just, like keep the refrigerator closed in case the power goes off and yeah just so and just so people who aren't in california know flex alerts they finally came to la by the way they weren't here for the longest time yeah. but as i was driving back from my mother-in-law's place down pico in los angeles i saw my wife was like is that a is that one of those things you've been talking about and i was just like they're here <laughs> the, the evil has spread but there are alerts that recommendations that people don't use any power from 4 to 9 p.m. to save the grid, uh, essentially. And that is when, of course, that's like peak demand Mm -hmm. for the grid because that's when people get home from work. It's when they spend time with their kids. It's when they cook dinner. If they have an electric stove, they're using that. You know, all of the things that give us joy after we've put in a hard day of work happen between 4 and 9 p.m. Yes. So it's very hard to be told people resent it when you, rightfully so, tell them that they can't do any of those things because we need to do stuff like close down Diablo and you know, <laughs> exactly. you know do other things that don't make sense. And part of what I've seen also is that there are more media champions for Diablo Canyon. I think the one that everyone talks about is, of course, Isabel Bemeke, yes. who's done a wonderful job of making this her her personal like mission for mm-hmm. California. How did I imagine that people at the plant, when they started finding her content, as I assume many of them have, um, <laughs> especially at this point, that it was very uplifting and inspiring? Yeah, people are pretty excited. And the operators that I know, you know, control room operators, like, hey, did you see this Brazilian supermodel? Oh my gosh. You know, like, <laughs> totally. She's talking about Diablo. Like, everyone, come on. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty shocked, I think, and still maybe a little in disbelief that um, mm-hmm. someone like that would care about Diablo Canyon. And so it's great to have her on the scene and awesome to, you know, team up with her and all the nuclear advocates so much because. When we decided to be mothers for nuclear, you know, we're trying to reach a certain audience and totally moms, women, environmentalists, people who care about climate change. But there's a lot of other people out there, like young people. And Izzy does a great job of reaching them with her gummy bear videos. And gummy bears the size of a uranium pellet and so powerful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, it's the tide is turning, at least, mm-hmm. at least in, in the on the streets and in. In the media and of course it'll take a while for that to reach the institutions but you can't reach the institutions without that so let me ask you about this weekend because there was an incredible rally for mm-hmm. diablo in slow i believe yes. and you guys got blimp like it was everything looks so cool so why don't you just just fill us in how did it happen yeah. how did it go etc et yeah well it was amazing and it was um, mostly izzy doing the organizing she was um just such a force and great i feel you know honored to be a part of it and to be able to help her you know kind of get to know the landscape a little bit more because i've been here in california doing this for a while and so, you know, making a lot of introductions and bringing people out to the rally, like 
the week before I was emailing, you know, our city council and all our county supervisors and our superintendent of schools. And I've met all these people before and they kind of know what I do, but now I have like a new angle and it's Izzy and it's, it was just so exciting and great. And yeah, so it was her idea to have the blimp that represents a ton of CO2 and how if we shut down Diablo Canyon, it's going to be like 7 million of those every year going into the air. Man. And yeah, so it's like a visual representation of something that climate people talk about all the time, but mm. it's really hard to kind of picture what that would look like. So that was amazing and interesting. We got to parade down the street, you know, like towing the blimp, like down to the rally and chanting, <laughs> what do we want? Clean energy. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was amazing. And like I said, I've, I haven't seen employees this excited in a long time. Like a large group of employees came out and we all took a big group picture in front of the blimp. And the last time we had a good group picture of employees at a pro-nuclear rally was, you know, before the joint proposal. Mm-hmm. So super exciting. Local politicians came out, all of our news channels and all of wow. our papers came out and we made, you know, the top story on the evening news. And we all gathered over in like a friend's house to watch it because I don't have cable. And we just like piled in and like watched the news <laughs> and like yelled at him. And then we left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a very good time and great for all these people from around the country and around um, this area also to get to know each other and really mm-hmm. talk about why all this messaging is important and how to reach different people. Yeah, it's just it was super exciting and and fun. <laughs> yeah, totally. It seems like it's just completely rousing thing to have happen yeah. after so much cynicism at yeah. play in, in what's happening. So. How has the community around Diablo Canyon responded to all of this? I think they're generally positive about Diablo. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's all kinds of research that shows communities around nuclear plants support them and, you know, understand them more than other populations because Mm -hmm. they have access to like the Energy Education Center and a lot more outreach about nuclear. So they they feel more more comfortable. There is a large contingent of people that aren't supportive as well. I was going to mention earlier, the Diablo Canyon area or San Luis Obispo area still has the record, I think, for the largest anti-nuclear demonstration, I think, in the world. Wow. From when um, we were first constructing Diablo Canyon. You know, like it was in the Governor days of Jerry Brown. Brown. Yeah. Here <laughs> and Jane Fonda. And it was like this huge, you know, stop the nukes or, yeah. And so there's a lot of those people kind of still around and still, you know, scared and spreading fear and mm-hmm. tired of having this, you know, looming mystery in their backyard. And, you know, all, all these news stories that I mentioned, you know, they, they do give us, you know, like a little bit like, here's this amazing rally. And then here's the mothership piece and it's built on an earthquake fault and there's radiation. It's so scary. And like, they're, they always are like, kind of (laughs) right. Right. Not really giving us a fair shake, but things are a little bit. Yeah. I also think that a lot of things have changed after the closure of Indian point. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And San Onofre. I think this year was particularly galvanizing because Indian point happened right around the Texas blackouts. Yeah. And suddenly people were really, were just like, oh, the grid exists? Mm, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> that's what a thing. We, yeah. If, and naturally, of course, that's not to make fun of anybody, but you turn the light switch and you expect them to come on, as you should. 
you know. Yeah, I hope more and more people will read Meredith Angwin's book. It's yes. just so amazing explaining the complexities and absolutely how broken it all is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's some special stuff going on in California with Kaiso PG&E. I mean, I don't think the state has ever fully recovered since Enron ran the table yeah. with <laughs> with it 17 years ago or however long yeah. it was. So. God, it's so nice to hear. So many wonderful things are happening. What are the next steps for Save Diablo? What do you, what do you have your sights on now? Well, I feel like we got you know kind of the scientific piece with the MIT and Stanford Stanford report yeah. that came out. Huge um, deal. Huge yeah, deal. So that quantifies some of the benefits of continued operation, not mm-hmm. just money, but reduced emissions and protected land, you know, protected open space where we don't have to replace Diablo Canyon with a whole bunch of solar panels. And so it's great to have those numbers. And then the comment from Secretary Granholm that California is being bullish about clean Mm -hmm. energy, like she recognizes, and I think the administration recognizes that California is not going to reach its clean energy goals. And we keep talking the big talk out here and, and we're not making progress. I think we're, you know, kind of getting worse. And especially if we want to talk about electrifying transportation, we need so much more clean energy. And so politicians are recognizing that the scientific community is on board. And so this is why we had the rally. We need the Mm -hmm. public support demonstrated to these people that make decisions. And so right now we're planning to just follow up with, um, you know, continuing to reach out to decision makers, political groups, Mm -hmm. environmental groups community choice energy groups that should have nuclear energy as part of their offering for clean energy and convince and share, you know, what we've learned so that nuclear Mm -hmm. is a huge source of clean energy that we need more. If we close Diablo, we're just digging a bigger hole and just try and and engage as many people as possible, as many decision makers that can help, you know, adjust the policies to make it a little more friendly to nuclear. And, you know, I think that's, it's it's a huge effort, and we're yeah. just continually like clawing our way up. Yeah, but, uh, it's there's so it, much momentum right now, and it's super exciting. And so now's the time to do it. Yeah, I, I think now is when I, we can make the most ground. I mean, we're lucky that we have generations that did not grow up, did not overlap with the Cold War at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and don't have wrongful associations with military tech and civilian tech for nuclear. And I think that there are plenty of young people I've noticed who have a sort of, and this can cut both ways, but have a built-in distrust of institutions uh-huh. and are very open-minded about other solutions. And I think that is very, very exciting for us yeah. as well. So let me ask you this. What's one thing as an advocate for nuclear that you wish people understood more clearly about nuclear. (laughs) Let's just do, let's do, let's do top three. Let's do top three. Let's do top three. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, the grid, like you mentioned, just, I meet so many people on the streets that are like, oh, well I have solar. And I'm like, well, the sun sets, you know, kind of right around the time when a lot of people start using electricity and they're like, oh no, it works at night. Or, (laughs) oh no, we have batteries. Or Mm -hmm. they just don't quite um, get the scale 
of how big the problem is. Like maybe on their house, they have a storage system and a solar system. But I think even people that are pretty educated about energy still don't understand the scope mm-hmm. of the storage challenge. Like that's the real thing that we don't know how to address. Like we know how to address nuclear waste. We don't mm-hmm. know how to store electricity. No, uh, Maddie, Maddie Sirwinski tweeted out a few months ago, the queen of the campaign for a green nuclear deal herself, yes. that uh, the backup diesel generator fleet in California is 24 times the size of the battery fleet. Yes. Oh my gosh. And everyone <laughs> is buying diesels, right? Diesel generators right now. They're like on back order because yeah, so Generac stock is just, it looks like a hockey stick right now. Yeah. Yeah. The co-founder of Mothers for Nuclear with me, Kristen Zate, she owns a restaurant and they're looking into buying a diesel generator. And she's like, totally. I hate this, but like they've lost their inventory, I think three times. And Ugh the loss of power and loss of refrigeration and so we can't keep doing this to people in california and yeah it's a huge huge misunderstanding yeah absolutely i agree so that's not even about nuclear yeah it's not even about (laughs) nuclear but i think i think to me what i think is powerful about nuclear and what i believe about it is that i like nuclear for all sorts of reasons that don't necessarily have anything to do with climate fears or whatever, I think is an expression of human excellence, you know, that, and that is part of our task as humans Mm -hmm. is to endeavor to do excellent things in common with each other for the greater good. Nuclear to me is obviously one of those things, the amount of clean baseload it provides, the types of jobs it provides, the wealth it brings to communities. You know, our friend Mark Nelson likes to joke that the uh, closer you live to a nuclear plant, the more you like it, and the farther away you live from renewables, the more you like them. I think that's true. Um, And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on because you're somebody who works in the industry and has done all of this amazing advocacy work still more to come. So I really want to thank you for being here. And I wanted you to tell us where we can find and support your work. We are at mothersfornuclear.org. We have a donations page and we also just put up a great video of us marching down the street with a blimp. Nice. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And we support all the other nuclear adv- advocacy groups as well. Like you said, I'm so glad that I'm doing Mothers for Nuclear and you're doing Nuclear Barbarians <laughs> because sometimes I, I really want to talk about like, oh my gosh, our spent fuel pool handling tool and like how we mm-hmm. do that process. It's so fun. I've done it. Like I've driven the crane to move the fuel around in the pool. So cool. I kind of have the record for like doing the most efficient shuffles, you know, in the pool. Cause, Hell like, yeah. Yeah. It's super fun and really amazing. It's glowing blue, you know, with Shrenkov radiation when you're moving it and um absolutely fascinating and amazing for an engineer, but I don't really talk about that to other mothers. So yeah, yeah. that story for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Well, by the way, everybody, you can find all the stuff about that video, where to find Heather on are you on Twitter. I believe you're also on Twitter and all that stuff in the show notes. Do check it out. It's giving season. Kick in if you can. This is really, really important stuff. And thank you again for joining us, Heather. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for all the work that you do too, Emmett. Thank you. All right, everybody. Stay strong, stay sharp, and stay radiant. We'll see you next week. 